jokers, jackalatins and jackals. Welcome to your weekly dose of horror news and fun. This is your episode 20 of Terrorvision Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Sam McGuinness, and joining me as always is my co-host, Jennifer, the Dream Warrior Strand. Together we are two people with a love of horror and feel the burn of our obsolete blockbuster memberships. You can catch us weekly on all major podcasting services and on the YouTube. Jennifer, I, I just got through. I nearly, I nearly stuffed up the whole start. How's your week been? My week's been great. It's been super freaking hectic at work, so no rest for the wicked. Uh, I started back at the gym because uh, COVID and winter have made me husky, and I have to change that. Husky! Like your voice? Husky. Smoky cough? No, I don't smoke anymore. Uh, no, I'm I'm a little, uh, what's the word? Uh, curvy, robust. Voluptuous? Rotund. Voluptuous. We'll go with that. Uh, so yes, back at the gym. Uh, Easy going because I've got a, a bunch of injuries because I'm basically an old lady. Um, so slow and steady wins the race. Uh, other than that, I had a weekend to myself. Uh, so I caught up on a bunch of movies that I've been meaning to watch. Did a little bit of writing and I hung out with my cat. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Hat, cat hangs are always the best. I've just joined a Facebook book group called Catcore. And it's just cats, funny cat photos, but like done by young people. So they're, yes, some of them please. are quite funny. And I am. Um, <laughs> one of them was just like a picture of a cat. Like uh, it was indoors and it was shot from through a, a screen, a, a glass door. But the guy uh-huh. who was taking its legs were reflected in the thing. So it looked like the cat was just human legs with a cat head on top <laughs> of it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yes. stuff like that. Um, this week I have had, I've had a kind of a, I've had a, Crappy, buy whatever week. First of all, my sound bar. So I bought like a really nice sound bar for my really nice TV and it came with a, a Bluetooth, uh, what are they called, uh, uh, subwoofer. And I've had it yep. for about seven weeks and all of a sudden, bang, the subwoofer just loses its Bluetoothness and it's just dead. And I like, you know, I contacted like the company and they're like, hmm, that sounds faulty. You're going to probably have to send it back to who you bought it from. And of course, I bought it from Amazon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, good luck. But no, no, they were actually quite good. I, I, they just basically, I just said, hey, my, I, I, you know, my soundbar stopped connecting. I contacted um, the, the creator, the creator, the maker, and they said that it's faulty. Um, what, what should I do? And they're just like, here, here's a code. Here's a postage label to send it back to us and we'll give you money back straight away, which is nice because it was like 700 bucks. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I really want that back. So then there's the hassle of trying to post a soundbar and a subwoofer, which are like, <laughs> One, mm-hmm. one's a big square thing. The other one is a big giant long thing. And I don't own yeah. boxes that are big enough to do stuff like that. So I had to wait for, cause I get my shopping delivered. So yes. I had to wait for, wait for my food shopping to get delivered. And then like, uh, you know, can make this contraption. Had to MacGyver a, I had a to box. Ma- yeah. I had to MacGyver it. It's like bastardized box of all shapes and sizes and just like <laughs> took it to the post office. Used like two roll, whole rolls of sticky tape on it, trying to hold it together. And did that. Yeah, we've all been there. But the postman said I did a really good job, which made me feel like I, when I went home, I was all chuffed about that. (laughs) Yeah. Look at me. Look at me wrapping boxes. Mm. Then I bought a new set of Sony headset, um, the new like times 1000 M4s, whatever they're called, like um, Mm -hmm. noise cancelling ones. So got them. I haven't quite worked out how to use them yet with the computer, which we were just doing just before. So we've gone back to the old headset. Uh, but it sounds pretty good with everything else. And I got four new microphones for my video uh, game podcast, uh, Hat the Dino. So we, we can have we can have guests on the show and stuff like that. And that's it, really. Huh. But yeah. Huh. 
Busy week all around. Busy week for busy people. But let's move straight on to homework. So every week, Jennifer and I set ourselves two horror movies to watch and then review them together the following week. We've moved down to two movies because, you know, my life got really hectic and um, I could only afford to watch two movies at a time. But I actually think it's going to be better. I think we can go, we can wax more about one movie rather than rushing through a whole heap of them. Get, it's true. Get deeper. Dive deeper into it. Dive right into mm. its colon. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to burrow deep, nice and deep, like. Burrow deep. Anyhow, <laughs> um, so we have a rating system, the Cherovision the uh, hot rating system, which goes as follows, starting from the best um, rating as A, which is an awesome movie that everyone should watch. You're like, you, movie. Um, we have B, which is a beer and chicken wings group movie. We have F, a fun and dumb. We have a C, which is a classic that's worth a watch. We have G, which is good for its time, but has not held up. We have uh, J, which is a Jen special, which is a movie that, you know, everyone else would hate apart from Jen. (laughs) And we have D, which is a Dan special, which is exactly the same as the Jen special, (laughs) but for me. We have a W, which is the whatever, like the wah-wah, whatever, who cares. Didn't didn't even come up on my radar. We have the S for shit. Avoid. Don't watch. And then the all-time low, the the colon of um, ratings, the FF, the fucking fucked, <laughs> the avoid at all costs movie. So it's, it's true. I'd like to remind everybody that Texas Chainsaw Massacre: Next Generation was the film that inspired this new rating. I think, and I will remind everyone of that every freaking week. Yeah, I was gonna say we remind people of that every week. So, <laughs> so if you really want to watch the shittest of shit fucking fucked films, watch that. Bloody McConaughey yeah. and Zellweger. You wouldn't think it's going to be bad, but it is. <laughs> Tragic. All right. So we got first film. We did, so these oh. were two that I chose this uh, week for us to watch as homework. So hopefully our listeners have, um, we put up on our Facebook. So follow us on Facebook. We um, we put up our homework movie so if you can watch them before. So you, you know, you don't get spoilers and you can just go through and see if your opinions are the same as ours. And our first one is Gremlins 2, The New Batch. <laughs> from oh. no, from 1990. Now I love Gremlins. I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do a um a disclaimer. Just have you gushed? No, I'm just saying I love Gremlins. I love Gremlins one. I love Gremlins two. So obviously, I know no lots who do not like Gremlins two. Hey, as soon as I started like mentioning that to people, they're like, "Why are you watching that piece of shit?" Blah 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 blah. Oh. And I'm like, oh. Huh. It's very interesting because a lot of the feedback I got um, on the social media and even on my social media when I started posting it, I had like friends and messaging me going, fucking love Gremlins 2. Yeah. I'm still sitting here going, I don't remember Gremlins 2. What What am I doing? Mm, I had to go back. And honestly, I did a double feature this weekend. I watched the first two. You watched them both? I watched them both because they're, I hadn't seen Gremlins in a while. Oh, really? I watch it quite often. It is such yeah. a solid film, hey? Like Pretty fucking bleak. <laughs> oh, man. How, uh, anyway, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get, yeah, we'll so, get yeah, it. We'll di- get. Director Joe Dante, he did Gremlins. He did Inner Space. He did Small Soldiers. He did The Howling. Um, what is that? Chuck Jones, uncredited. Yeah, Chuck Jones as well. He's like, yeah. He, he came out, I think he was out of retirement or something like that. He did. They they coerced him out of retirement. So for those of you who don't know who Chuck Jones is, he is uh, basically an animator for Looney Tunes. And I'm not talking the crappy Looney Tunes now. He he was 
the guy for Looney Tunes in like the 40s and whatnot. So he's he's a big name. Mm. And then we have the screenplay by Charles Hass and Christopher Chris Columbus, which is such a funny name. Eh? Every time he's in films, I'm just like <laughs> Christopher Columbus. <laughs> um, and then we've got starring in it. We have Zach Galligan, who plays yep. Billy, I think. Phoebe yep. Cates. Um, and so Billy's in like Gremlins and Waxworks. Phoebe Cates out of Gremlins and Drop Dead Fred, if you remember that one. I love that. And then Christopher Lee. Who is, you know, he's like, is his name Saruman in Lord of the Rings? I want to say yes, but... He's the, white, he's the, the evil white wizard who, like, turncoats on Gandalf and makes an yeah. army of dickheads. <laughs> he also had, a, a like, a death metal band. Yes. He, yeah. has a, and I, he actually has a Christmas album as well. A death metal uh, Christmas album I play in my shop and he's like, you know, he's like the drummer boy to like full up. He's like, you said it into him. He's singing like that. It's so good. And then we got good old Dick Miller, known from uh, Gremlins and Gremlins 2 and a whole bunch of other small car roles. He's in so much shit. Fucking <laughs> Dick Miller for the win. Unfortunately, this film did not make it. It was cost fifty million to make, but it only made forty-one million back. So this is a lot. This is so basically is that count as a flop? Um, yeah, I, I feel that anything that it, I think it was a bit of a box office disaster. Keep in mind though that this information is only uh, domestic, so it's just what it made in the US. I'm not sure what it made worldwide. Um, and who I knows who knows what its DVD sales did and its toys and franchises after the fact kind of thing, you know, like oh. how Star Wars, you know, did all its money in its toys and crap like that. Yeah, I mean, Gremlins is really big for, um, like, toys and stuff. It's kind of like the – I think it's probably why I avoided it so much because I'm a snob and it was ended up being like that Nightmare Before Christmas kind of thing where all these young people were super into it and you could just get Gremlin stuff everywhere. So, but could like, you no, though? Because I remember as a kid not having much Gremlin stuff. I did have one of those read-along tape books. Do you remember them? When you hear the oh, chimes, turn yes! the page. Oh, yeah, I had I the Gremlins that. one of that, and I remember. Oh, glorious! I, uh, love I, lo- I love this film. Um, yes. So, okay. synopsis, synopsis time. All right, here they grow again. Best tagline. Uh, Young sweethearts, Billy and Kate move to the Big Apple, land jobs in a high-tech office park, and soon reunite with the friendly and lovable Gizmo. But a series of accidents creates a whole new generation of gremlins. The situation worsens when the devilish green creatures invade a top-secret laboratory and develop genetically altered powers, making them even harder to destroy. They're not even green in this one, though. They're just all shades of brown. Yeah. <laughs> and They're like gremlins. Yeah, so straight away, I, I put this on. I hadn't seen this one in a while. I do watch Gremlins 1 a fair lot. Straight away, mm-hmm. opening, I'd forgotten it starts as a Warner Brothers cartoon opening. Yes. It, Why not? And I'm like, yeah, with like, and it was <laughs> and it was Fat Daffy as well. Did you notice? Yep, OG Daffy. I love it. Yeah, OG Fat Daffy. Or if Daffy's mm-hmm. quite thin these days, he's like very bean pole. Now, that that really, really, really sets the tone for the whole film, hey? Because one hundred percent. Because you really can't imagine them putting a cartoon little weird bit at the start of the first Gremlins. <laughs> no. It just no. Would, it just wouldn't make sense. Um. Uh, yeah, and straight away I was like, all right, I remember this. So did you get to this part and you were like? What? What's going on? <laughs> like, I, a little bit, yes. I, I sort of didn't really know what 
to take from it and why it was kind of done but i was i was so on board with it because after that i was like maybe i'll go watch some looney tunes after this yeah i'll do that was it i only watched that looney tunes was it back in action last week i saw that you watched that yeah why um well i had like my mate around and i showed him like darjeeling limited and uh-huh. the, uh, the guy actually had like like yeah a bunch of the uh millennial movie talk people around and i just showed them a good film and they're like they all, as kids, they're, they're the appropriate age that that was like their kids' film because mine was like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and theirs was that, which is quite similar. And I'd never seen okay. this or heard of it and watched it. And I was like, it wasn't that bad. Like, okay. You have Brandon Fraser. He's the main character. And he plays the stuntman to Brandon Fraser in the Mummy films. So he plays like <laughs> – and he's paying out Brandon. He goes, man, I was more in those Mummy films than Brandon Fraser was as the stuntman. <laughs> like, it's, you know, weird jokes like that and heaps of meta stuff. It was quite yeah. fun. It was really fun. Okay. Yeah. And they've gone ham, obviously, with, you know, the how they did it with Roger Rabbit, and this is, like, way down the track, and it's even better, like, full-on interaction with, like, characters and, like, real life. Like, even when they move yeah. quickly, like, rugs on the ground move along the ground and stuff like that, the characters. I like that. It's a little a little attention to details that I quite like. Yeah. Real gets to me. So I can see straight away that your second note is, is this a little racist? <laughs> It is. It's a little like you could not do this now. Which bit? Okay, so the Chinatown bit. So he he runs a little Oriental. I think there was a comment that the guy had made about it being like Chinese or Oriental, um, but it was like in such a derogatory term that I'm like, oh, you could not do that now. Of course, because yeah. That was always a big thing that confused me in Gremlins as a little kid. I didn't understand the concept of Chinatown in mm. America. It was the same reason I was really confused with Big Trouble in Little China. I was like, okay. are they in China? Why are they in America no. now? I, I, I didn't have this concept that there is huge communities of, like, you know, Chinatowns and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but, yeah, obviously it starts in Chinatown where he, they bought Gizmo from, where, which the uh, old Asian guy um, – he, you know, he's, he's got Gizmo from the first film and he, he gets, um, he dies basically. Yeah. He, he's a little old, little, little coffee, just, just dies. He yeah. Dies. He dies. There is uh, a tiny story around it, but it's really inconsequential <laughs> to the rest of the film. Hey, it's yeah. just a massive mm. excuse of why Gizmo is out in the streets and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it, to me, it was a little bit strange because he dies. And they just demolish the building without taking anything out of it. Well, it's the clamp industries. They don't care about anything. They're, they're multi-billionaires. They don't care what's in a, a junk shop. They did make that quite clear at the start where they were just like, you know, everything was dusty and they were like, ooh, this is gross in here kind of thing. Yeah. So maybe they're just like, you know, they're billionaires. They just want the land to create um, new uh, apartment buildings. So, mm. And then, um, but then, yeah, then basically the two twin guys rock up, uh, the guys that, that were from Terminator 2. Do you remember they were in that? I have no idea. Like, I'm trying, I was racking my brain. I almost, I almost went and watched Terminator 2 just so I could remember that. I don't remember who the fuck they are. They are, uh, there was a security guard in Terminator 2. Yeah. And which was that actor. And then when, um, because they're, they're, they're twins in real life, when the yeah. T-1000 took on the form of him, he, the, the brother just played the T-1000, so it looks really real because there actually are two people that are identical in the same shot. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and then he, like, puts his finger up, if you remember, and a big, like, line, a big uh, 
kind of spear uh, skewer comes out and skewers the guy in the head. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. remember it like quite well mm-hmm. that, that scene. And yeah, so this twin guy gets often put into films because he has an identical twin. So they played identical twin scientists, which you assume in this film is like ham-fistedness that they're clones kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. So they find Gizmo on the street. And they bring him to the Clamp Tower, the future building, which if you look at it now, is quite a normal building. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, the, the, he's waving their little wand over the guy's uh, badge pin, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's normal now. That's- Just like talking elevators, that's not weird mm-hmm. anymore. Um, no. You know, doors that, you know, uh, ro- 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 what are they called? Like revolving doors that revolve automatically, like Ikea yep. and stuff oh, like yeah. and And they stuff up like Ikea. Um, you know like it's supposed to be this building of the future a really far-fetched comical uh, building and to tell you the truth nowadays in 2020 who would have thought 30 years later (laughs) we have buildings Mm -hmm. that it just seemed a bit passe and the humor just wasn't really there it had a couple of bits i thought were funny like where the the voiceovers were always funny there was a bit where it's just like with the person with the license plate number, whatever, whatever, please move your car. Your uh, your car is old and dirty. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. Yes, I like that. Did you did you at, at all think that the the Clamp Industries logo was very much a a logo for a supervillain? Yeah, I've always liked the Clamp logo. It's like the sea, and it's pushing down the world, like it's clamping yeah. the world down. I thought it was really cool, and I've always thought about like. Yeah, like Clamp Industries as like my go-to thought when I think of big multinational like conglomerates, I think of Clamp. <laughs> sure, give them the Clamps. Yeah, the Clamps, the Clamps. The Clamps. Um, then we're introduced to Christopher Lee, who also plays a scientist. So this building, not only is it a, a, a conglomerate office space, it also like rents out floors. And it, of course, it's rented out one of the floors to a cutting-edge biogenetics engineering lab run by Christopher Lee as the, the head scientist. Um, there are a lot of jokes in the, this kind of scene, which was, um, you know, he's got like one of the pods from like Invasion of the Body Snatchers in there. They've got like a whole bunch of yep. stuff like that. And this, yep. this basically, this lab gives the whole movie the opportunity to do whatever it wants because it's, you know, it's genetics, it's like, you know, fringe genetics, it makes no apparent sense. Like, so this is where they can just go, let's do whatever we want. Let's make whatever yeah. gremlins we want. Why not? Or why not? Why not indeed? Um, what did you think of the puppets in this one, Jen? I really, like, I thought that this was a, a step above. So I think uh, Rick Baker actually came on board to do the, the puppetry and the special effects, and he's very well known in amongst the horror community. I mean, he's not up there with Savini, but he's he's still way up there. So um, I see that you said that you like these ones better as well. They were definitely better than the first one. I don't know. I don't like... I didn't like all the designs of the Gremlins. So the, different, the, the, the main difference in this film is that every Gremlin is unique. Where the first yeah. film, every Gremlin was exactly the same. They just looked kind of like... You know, they might have had some little tiny differences... But yeah. the majority of them, they were like the same color, the same shape, the same size kind of thing. Where this one, they're different colors, they're different shapes. They're um, and I can only assume, and I've thought of this before. Mm-hmm. I can only assume because gremlins, um, they evolve so quickly. 
you know, from getting wet, they instantly multiply. And then from eating after midnight, it takes them like an hour to metamorphosis. So they've got a really high evolutionary rate. And I can only assume that the time that's taken between the first film and this film, they have evolved into mm. something different again, like as in, you know, so when they do multiply and turn into things, they are vastly different from, and maybe in 30 years' times now, if gremlins like were around now, and um, they would turn into something even more different. Maybe now mm. because that genetic thing is fucked with them that they might actually come out as spiders, as bats and stuff like that. It's a theory. It's definitely a fan I- theory with no backup, which I just made up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> But that's so fair because, like, at one point throughout the film, and because I watched both of the films back to back, and I'm like, why are they so mean to Gizmo? Like, there is no freaking need for it. Yeah, they hate him, don't they? He's a beautiful summer flower. You fucking leave him alone. But I, and then in the end, I had to, like, you know, get on the old Google and be like, why do the gremlins hate him? So he's, so Gizmo is the perfect being. And as he, like, pops out all these little gremlins, all of the, like, uh, emotion and everything is sort of um, repressed. So now it's no longer, they're no longer polite, they're no longer this or that or the other. So they see him as this just garbage thing. Like a threat kind of as well? Like they or they or... possibly. More of like he's useless to them. Like he is not, to them, he is not an evolved being. You're right. He's the core. Yeah. He's, yeah, right. I've, I never looked into that one. I like that. Because they always have been really mean to him, haven't they? Yeah, and I was I was getting really mad. I'm like, all you people talking about this baby Yoda business, like, no, protect Gizmo at all costs. He's cuter, and I said it. I don't care what anyone says. Because they had um, what I did really notice in this film, which I actually said to you, but I looked up later and found out is true that a lot of the close up shots of the Mogwars, um, Gizmo Mm -hmm. and um, what's the other one called Mohawk is the new bad guy, like uh, because. Yeah, Mohawk and there's like the dummy. They've all got names. I can't remember their names. The crazy one. Mm. Uh, when it shows their faces close up, the animatronics were crazy. And I think they worked, they worked in like big versions of them to do the close yeah. up shots. So, uh, yeah, definitely. And the hand, the big hand shots, when you see them making stuff and that. And I think that really, really added to the film a lot. Like it's seeing them like close up and really having the tongue movements, the eye movements, all their lips. Like the fur and eyebrows, I thought that gave it a lot. And the crazy one well, is, even, is crazy, hey. Like, yeah, like I, Daffy, I think his name's Daffy, and he's just like, blah, 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 and his eyes are like bugging around in his head. Yeah, um, I actually so think he looked. I think he looked better as the Mogwa. I didn't like his gremlin um, metamorphosis because yeah. his eyes were too big and close together. I thought he looked a bit too wacky. But I do love like him just as the crazy one, how much effort they put into him being crazy. Like he's he's animated all over. He's constantly moving. Mm-hmm. And like even the bit where like, you know, Billy picks him up at one stage and he just goes crazy, like his arms and legs and head are just yeah. going at a thousand Ks an hour. And I was just like, this is funny. This is like no one's come close to making a film like this. It's like I, I No. I think someone on our Facebook page commented that this was the closest we will ever get to like a live action Looney Tunes film. And I definitely agree with them on that one. This yeah. is very animated. It's very cartoony. It's it's all of these crazy things. Um, it was just, it was a lot of fun. There is actually a documentary that came out this year called Gremlins, A Puppet Story. And it's uh, it had a very short run at a cinema in America. Um, so I, it's insanely hard to track down. I was hoping to track it down before this episode. 
Um, but it's it's all about how they went about doing Gremlins, Gremlins 2 um, kind of things. So that would be definitely one to watch. Yep. It's, um, oh, man, so good. I like this. It's such a fast-moving film. Um, it's so good. It is. And the puppets are so, so much better than the first one. Like, and there's so many more of them, I think. Like, and it's not just more as in, you know, they've made some puppets. There's like a lot of lot of puppets that all have complex movements and stuff. They're not just a block puppet in the background. That's there's right. A, and then you have like, and of course, the genetics labs happen. So, you know, they get into the genetics lab and all the gremlins, because of, I can only assume, because of their ridiculous, you know, metamorphosis and evolution rate, <laughs> They drink potions, or not potions, what are they? They're like formulas or whatever. Chemicals. Chemicals, yeah. and it changes them. So, they, you know, they have like, there's like a, a, a vat of one that has a spider on it and one of them turns into a spider. Then one of them has a bat and it turns into a little bat. And then there's like genetic sunblock. So then they can go out in the sun. And then there's like, you know, just crazy, fun, go ham, like whatever ideas. Um you know, there's one that turns into a lady. There's one that turns into vegetables, which is still really well done. Like I, when it it's changing well. and like the vegetables are popping out onto its skin, I can only assume they're like yeah. little blow up things or something. Like yeah, just, I'd say so. It just definitely. They've just gone great. I love it so much. And then um, the film itself is very satirical as well. So it it, it satires itself and it's satiring a lot of consumerism as well. Um, so all of like they're just this whole building has everything in it that you can possibly imagine. So you know at one point they're like scurrying through a TV station and then they're up on a floor where there's like you know party happening and all this like food court and stuff. And this is very similar food court to you'd find in a mall, not a, a building. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's um, like the every building kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I really liked that at one point, I don't know if you noticed, that John Aston is in it. He has a very small bit role as the janitor. and Oh, yeah, yeah, when he gets fired. Not the not him. Oh. Um, he's he's the one who's fixing the fountain and oh, the fountain sprays yeah. at Gizmo. He's the one who and fucks everything Giz- up. <laughs> yeah, so but as he's like walking past, Gizmo looks up and he's like, Gomez? Because he played Gomez Adams. Like, oh, did just- he say that? <laughs> He that's does. another he Warner Brothers Gomez- franchise, isn't it? Um, yeah, I want to say it is. Yeah, um, but all- this was like Gomez from the original TV series, um, oh, not the right. not the awesome '90s movies. Um, and then there's like another bit where the gremlin who turns into the bat like flies out of the out the wall, and there's just that Batman logo on the wall, which is cool. Yeah. Oh, there's heaps of like breaking fourth wall things. There's a bit where the gremlins attack a guy who, because there's also a cable network in this building, as in a TV station. Yeah. There's a bit where a yeah. guy's just like, um, he's reviewing the first Gremlins film. Yes. <laughs> and like, and he did like that's Leonard Maltin, and they did he did do the like pan the shit out of Gremlins. And so this is like the fact that he's like a good sport, and they're like, "Hey, can you come?" And we're just gonna. And he's like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah, um, was, like that was great. Yeah, and then he gets attacked by the gremlins. There's so many of these, like you know, little um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, fourth wall breaking things. The bit where uh, my favorite bit ever, because I saw this in the cinema. So okay. my favorite bit in this film, the bit I always remember, is like where they're talking in the genetics lab, and then the sound starts to fuck up, and then the film burns. Yes. And like and that happened in the cinema. I saw it in the cinema and everyone in the cinema went, 
uh, like they thought that their movie was fucked. And then all of a sudden the gremlins will start coming out and doing shadow puppets behind the screen. And it's just like, yeah. oh, my God, this is crazy good fun. And then you think that's enough. And then it, it like, like someone comes out and just goes like, the gremlins have ruined the film. Like the first one was bad enough. This is crap. And then he goes, don't worry, I'll fix it. And then they get Holt Hogan to yell at the gremlins. <laughs> Yes. Like actual Hulk. He's like, people will pay good money to watch the Gremlins. Now let us watch Gremlins 2. <laughs> and then you can hear the Gremlins go like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm like, what's going on? This is just a roller coaster ride of just like, of stupid. Of insanity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course. Even the. Yeah. Sorry. It was even the mother coming out and yelling at the the usher. That actually happened to Joe Dante. He was in, I think, at a, a screening for Gremlins, and this woman came out. She's like, this is the biggest load of shit. My kid is not to watch this. And her kid ended up sneaking back in, and he just remembered that so like distinctly that he had to chuck it in this film, and I think it's like, great. That's amazing. Imagine she saw that and just went, oh, that was me. But then we have got to talk about my favourite Gremlin, which is the talking one. The brain gremlin, the brain brainy, brain. or whatever his name yes. is. They've all got names. I can't remember them. But um, I love this gremlin. I think he's hilarious. Um, I think his voice is unbelievably good. Um, I was slightly disappointed that he wasn't voiced by Kelsey Grammer. I know Tim Curry was actually up for the role. I actually um, thought sure. it was Kelsey Grammer and looked it up because I went, that must be Frasier. That sounds so yeah, much like no. Frasier. And it's just not him. It's just someone that sounds no. exactly like him. Yeah. I was sad. Like, I was really bummed out. I'm like, no, this should have been, it would have been better. Yeah. It's fine. I love no. just everything he says, especially that interview that he has with, like, the horror movie vampire guy um, on the cable network. And just everything, yeah. how he says it. You, go, you have what we want, civilization. Like, just how he says it all. I'm like, oh, my God, I love him so much. He's got a little pair of glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he sings at the end. He sings New York, New York. Oh. And I'm like, you're such a good gremlin. And but, I great. mean, what is, like, what is it without a musical number? Like, you've got to have a musical number in a film like this. Indeed. And then you got Greta, the, the lady gremlin that comes out, uh, you know, in the musical number. But she just can't sing. She just, she just goes, ah. <laughs> like, She's doing her best Marilyn Monroe, so why not? Yeah. Um, I, like, had some issues with that at the, towards the end, like, because um, obviously the main character, the, he was actually the bad guy, so, um, oh, what was his name? But the guy um, that was, like, runs like the, runs the building bad guy? Uh, Forrester, so Robert Picardo. Yep. He, so he wasn't John uh, Daniel Clamp, um, who actually ended up being a bit of a hero character, and I, I like, loved him. Yeah, I like Daniel he Clamp. He was great. Um, but I found that Forrester was like, he got trapped with this woman gremlin and pretty much she comes up, you know, in a wedding dress and she's looking at him, giving him kissy, kissy lips. And he kind of just, in the end, he's like, fuck it. Yep. Like he 100% had his dick sucked by a gremlin. Maybe. And, uh, I'm don't know how I feel about that. I, I noticed in our Facebook group, one of my mates said to like, uh, tagged one of my other friends in it and going, remember when you thought the lady gremlin was hot? <laughs> and I was like, perfect. Perfect. Hey, people have weird things about animated and Look at furries. Real. Why can't you get yeah. it? Why wouldn't you want a bit of, you know, if you can like a man dressed as a big fluffy dog, there's no way you couldn't get into a bit of lady gremlin. 
saying it. I'm good on both ends, but yeah, each to their own. Like no, you know, no shade. You guys um, do, you do you. I like that, you know, like because Mr. Futterman comes back, he's back into it. He's back in. <laughs> Racist old he, Mr. Futterman's back. This film had a lot of racial points in it, actually. It had the stereotypical Asian character and they played on the fact that he loved, you know, taking photos. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a bit, that's a bit ham-fisted mm. and, you know, mm. I didn't yeah. like that. Got to throw that out there. Did not like that. But, yeah, Mr. Futterman, also a racist. He's always blaming yes. stuff on, like, you know, foreigners. Um yep. And then, like, he, he rocks up to New York, and of, uh, out of all the people in the world, the gremlin bat, who ha- has genetic sunblock, could attack. It attacks him out of everyone yeah. in New York. <laughs> and, and he's got, like, crazy crazy PTSD from the first Gremlins movie as well. He drove a snowplow through his house. <laughs> it's true. Um, I kind of feel that the film would have, like, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been in this film because, you know, everyone loves a bit of dick, um, but... I don't feel that he really played any major role. Like, it could have been anyone else or it could just not have happened. No, yeah, yeah. It could have been anyone else. They just brought him in purely because he was in the first film, which is fine. Yep, so someone had to do it. Why not Mr. Futterman? Um, exactly. I also really like the electrical gremlin. I think that little one mm-hmm. looks crazy good, like, still to this day. Like, it just looks yeah. like an actual electricity, mate, like, in the shape of a gremlin that's flying around and... And I love it how they put it on hold and it's stuck in that little screen with its like with the, the on hold music and it hates it. I've always liked that. <laughs> There's a, the the franticness of like its animation style and how how fast it moves and how much it hates that music. I've always liked that bit. Yep. <laughs> and yep. then in the end he's he is the demise. Um they uh, they spray all the gremlins with water and he electrocutes them all, he, which doesn't really make them. sense, but sure. Like, yeah, I, this film is not really a film where you can sort of sit back and ask too many questions. And oh yeah, it's held together with like <laughs> sticky tape. This film, you, you, you start you start moving those edges, they're just going to fall apart. Eh? It's the worst made cardboard but box you know in the world. It's totally fine. Um, so I thoroughly, I like, I really enjoyed this, and I liked this more than the first one. <gasps> um, it's I... slightly, slightly, but you know, I like a little bit of silly. But the first one's got um, such I, a, a a different tone. It's almost a different everything. The first one is borderlining is. on a hor- like a full horror film. It's yeah. got like that scene where like um, what's the girl's name in the film? Phoebe Cates. Uh, no, her real uh, whose name is Kate. Kate, that's it. No. Kate, the, in the first film, has that story. You know, she tells about her dad dying on Christmas Day, which yeah. is, like, cripplingly horrible. And in this one, they pay out that scene. I was just going to say, she's I like, really enjoyed that because she's like... Don't mention the link oh. to the memorial. <laughs> and he's just like, we don't have time for this, honey. Yeah. Like, let's just let's just move along. <laughs> and I was like... I thought that was really good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the elevator bit. I thought her, her role was really good in this film. She does yeah. more than Billy does, I reckon. Yeah. She's like in I the elevator so. scene. Remember the elevator that goes down and then all the gremlins smash up through the floor and she's covered in green for the rest of the film, like guts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do yeah. like that also. There's not as many gremlin killings in this, but there is that the good pa- the paper shredder one with Mr. Clamp, yeah. which is That's the most good. violent one. Which is pretty just running full. a bunch of pesto through a machine at that point. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, it was great. Like, and I just, but the face the gremlin makes when his foot gets caught in there with his lips mm-hmm. is like this yep. animatronic, like, oh, and I was like, oh, God. But yeah, I love Mr. Clamp. 
he has yep. he has good lines. He's just a real uh, uh, um, like an eccentric millionaire kind of thing. It's like trying yeah. to do good, but he's not. Well, necess- he thinks he's doing good, but it's it's not. But he says that um, good line at the end. He's like, "You build a place for monsters, and monsters come." And I'm like, "That's a good line. I don't mind that." Yes. I well, I also really like where the you know he's come out of his little uh, secret exit, and they're questioning him, and they're like, "Oh, so that so what you're saying is there's no monsters?" He's like, oh, "I never said that." Yeah. And he just <laughs> kind of keeps walking. Yeah. Um, I was racking my brain for a lot of this film. Like, where have I seen him from before? And he had such a long-lasting effect. He was in an episode of Frasier where he was playing Frasier's boss um, and he was about to fire Frasier. And it turns out that he was in turn fired and basically just having this massive screaming match. That um, was the new boss, wasn't he? That one that, like, they ended up, like, hating each other, like, from the get-go. Was that that one? Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. It's just one of those one of those things. Um so he's like he's such a good actor as well. Like every time I see him he has this sort of sinister vibe to him but is actually quite endearing. Yeah, he's a good person. I'm okay with it. He reminds yeah. me a little bit of American Psycho. Yes. And yes. in this it's, as well. It's... Like he plays like, you know, the rich like businessman, so you just like, oh, yeah, American yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um I mean there's there's so much more we haven't talked about this film, but we we should move on a little bit. We should. Because we have been actually talking about Gremlins for 37 minutes. <laughs> I apologize, everyone. I don't. Gremlins is awesome. I could it's have done great. A, I could have done a whole show on this. If we watched Gremlins 1 and 2 for this, I thought about doing that. Yeah. I could have gone forever. I, I, so, what did you give this one? Uh, I gave this an A for awesome, and everyone should definitely watch it. See, I thought about giving it that. But there are mm-hmm. so many people that hate this film that I can't recommend it to everybody. And I, then I maybe I stood back and thought, maybe it's me. Maybe this film just speaks to me. So I gave it a Dan special. Ooh. I'm, I'm going to agree with that. I, think, I don't think everyone is going to get it, but I feel that everyone should probably watch it at some point. Oh, yeah. If, if you haven't seen it, you should, you should give it a go. A cla- and, and, yeah, a classic worth a watch. Maybe it, 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 it can fall under that category as well as a C. Like it, and it also falls under the beer and chicken wings. Like I know. I it's, it's got too many hats. It's like a bloody hat rack of awesomeness, of letters. Well, it's, an a, it's an ABCD. It's, oh. it's an awesome, a beer, a fun, and a Dan. Oh, yeah. Imagine it's, it's spelled Dan. I need an N in there. All those things together, Dan is awesome. Dan drinks beer. Dan is a classic. Yes. Anyhow, <laughs> let's move on to our second film, which is a lot more serious. What is it, Jen? Uh, so we watched Poltergeist 1982, directed by Toby Hooper, screenplay by Steven Spielberg, starring Craig T. Nelson, who is the voice of The Incredibles' dad. I don't know what his name is. I'm not looking it up. Mr. Incredible. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I've seen it once. Uh, he was also in Blades of Glory. He's yep. in a lot of stuff. He's not like a crazy big name actor, but you see him in things. Uh, it's also starring Joe Beth Williams, Zelda Rubenstein, and Heather O'Rourke. Mm. Uh, it had a budget of $10.7 million and uh, box office of $121.7. So Whoa. I would say this is a very successful film. It was the highest grossing horror film of 1982 and the ninth highest grossing film uh, of 1982. That's crazy. Now, that is a success. And the reason yes. is this movie's success is that not only is it a good, a great horror film, it's also mm. a great film. Um, oh, yes. 
like when I started watching it, my wife was like, you only watched this like recently. <laughs> and then she just sat down and watched it. <laughs> like, she had just watched it and she watched it again because it just, it's just a great film. There's so much to unpack with this. Like this is the film that we could have done a whole episode on. And we will. It is, <laughs> yeah, you, we're going to cut that runtime, my ass. We're talking about Poltergeist. Um, there is so much to unpack. Like the fact that this film is considered a cursed film, the fact that it, like there's all this crediting controversy. There is like this um this world of interesting information surrounding this fantastic film. So- yeah, and there's a weird, like, you know, at this point in this thing, you know, when this is happening, like, there's some weird things that we'll get into. Actually, mm. we can just say them mm. now, I reckon. Like, so at, yeah. at 34 minutes into the film, there is, and I noticed this on my, and I, I ever had one copy of this film my whole life, so I thought... Yeah. Um, I just had a shit, ver- uh, you know, a shit copy. There is a mm. jump cut in mid sentence where they're talking about, uh, you know, Carol. They're talking about like, um, she's just worked out that you know the, the chair can move in the house, and the husband and wife are talking about it, and it and it jump cuts mid sentence into the next scene, which is also mid sentence when they're talking to the neighbours. And I was always, like, I thought my copy was just, I had a shit version of it, but no, that is in the film, and that is yep. because um, just before the jump cut. Uh, they talk about going to Pizza Hut, and then um, uh, Craig uh, Nelson's character says, "Oh man, I hate Pizza Hut." And Pizza Hut got so angry at that they made them crudely just cut it out of the film, and they just did it really yeah. quickly. And that has been the they have never fixed that, and it's just been in there forever. In one of the most classic films that made the most amount of money, there is a heinous cut between two sentences. It's so <laughs> weird and jarring. But I kind of well, yeah. like that it's there. It makes it – it gives us this weird vibe. You know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah. it's like it's haunted that bit, that tiny bit of the film. So we watched it last night. So my girlfriend Liz watched it with me. Um, she was actually kind enough to – she found a copy a few weeks back. She found a copy of it on VHS for 20 cents and bought it for me. Ooh. Um, so we ended up watching it on, on VHS last night and right in the middle of that storm we had. So it was like we had the tone set. So, um, But even then, like, we were watching it. This scene popped up. She's like, oh, was oh, there something wrong with the VHS? I'm like, no, it's meant to be there. It's fine. Oh, you knew that was supposed to be there? Because I had to yeah. look. I, I didn't know that was there. I just thought it was a fuck up. And then I, mm. when I was researching it, I found that it, uh, that it was it's in there. But that's great. So anyhow. Yes. What is the credit controversy? Okay, so let me the short version. Try and yeah. Okay, so um, I, I'm going to tell it my way. <laughs> yes. So Toby Hooper is the director. Yeah. Uh, Steven Spielberg is Steven Spielberg. So uh, at the point that E.T. the Extraterrestrial was being filmed, this film was being filmed. Yeah. Um, there was delays on the set of E.T., which meant that Steven Spielberg was on set. Um for poltergeist quite a lot now steven spielberg is the kind of guy I mean, he's got big dick energy let's be real like he's come onto this set he's like you know oh well, maybe we should do this and toby hooper is kind of there just like yep okay cool well let's do it your way um so there was this whole controversy over who did more work than the oh, other person yeah um and of course everyone just is gonna side with Spielberg because it's Steven Spielberg. Um, it did feel very Spielbergy. You know what I mean? Oh, like, definitely. So, so I think he had a 
a big hand in, like, like I say, he's come in and he's like, I think we should do this, 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 and this. And when you've got someone like Steven Spielberg standing there telling you that you, he thinks you should do it this way, you're going to listen to what Steven Spielberg says. Sure. So, um, so Toby Hooper still has the directing credit, but there's always been this controversy. I think Spielberg actually came out and said something um, in an interview about Toby not being a take charge kind of guy, uh, which he then later retracted and apologized for. Um, so there's there's a whole saga around it. Well, there's like, I noticed because I always like because I, I Tobe Tob or Toby, however you say his name, because he did that. Well, that train wreck of a film, which I didn't like. What was it? Fun House? Fun House. Yeah, I didn't like and that either. But to, he did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That is true, but that was a long time ago. He might have fluked that one. But like yeah. Fun House, like it doesn't feel any near, near as good as this film, like as in like characterization. And I feel what Steven Spielberg built to this film, brought to this film, was the family and how yes. they acted, how they reacted with each other, how the, the feelings of the opening of this film, which I'm just going to get straight into. Um, actually, no, first, yeah, yeah. So the the the, uh, the the suburbanness, capturing suburban life in this film is, I think, nearly some of the best um, versions of capturing that ever in any film. Like yes. the the shots of the yes. suburban, like you know, streets, the kids in the street. The only that that dude, he's like riding his bike with the beers down the street, <laughs> and the kids like get the cars under him, and then it goes in, and they're watching footy, and you know, yeah. both their neighbors have the same remote on the same control, uh, you know, like same, and just all that, like there's adding to these this family, and they're just yeah. it's you know, very idyllic America. Yeah, and it's supposed, I think it's, that's the whole point. It was supposed to be really idyllic America because of later on what happens kind of thing. You know, yeah. They're the everyman suburban. You know, they don't live in a haunted house. They don't live in like a scary street. They don't, yeah, they haven't gone to, an, you know, a fucking Indian burial mm. ground or a haunted cave or, or they haven't found a, a cursed artifact. It's all happening in a really normal place. But I yeah. think it's a version of suburbia that I love. It's that like. Seeing that kid's room and seeing all his like '80s toys that are in that field, in that room, were you looking at all the toys he had? Like he had yeah. so much Star Wars stuff, which I'm pretty sure some of that stuff is worth a bit of money now because he has a Luke Skywalker, the one where the lightsaber comes out of his hand. Like, yeah. and I'm re- I reckon that was like you know one of the I'm not sure I can't remember. Anyway, the opening definitely the opening of yeah. this movie is like you know the the end of channel opening in America with like the. Mm-hmm the national anthem and it's, you know, super close and it zooms out. I have always, I've mentioned this before. I've always been afraid of the end of channel um, things. These are a thing that young people, millennials now probably don't know what they are. So basically around about one o'clock or maybe two o'clock every night, Mm -hmm. the the TV channel would end and it would play a video montage of, so in Adelaide it just played like, you know, shots of the Torrens, um, yep. The city, and it would have music over it, and it was like, "Thank you for watching." And then it would just go to <laughs> static. The TV station would end. This always scared me at the end when when I saw this as I got older, because I was like, "Wow, this! If TV's ended, the world has ended." And I don't know. I said this yeah. in the last show. Like, so it opens with that. So it opens yeah. with the end. Like, you know, the the national anthem and the American ending, and it goes to static, and then it has Caroline come down. And she starts talking to the screen, the static, as if it is another child kind of thing. She's like, hello? Yes. And you can't hear what they're saying. It's so good. She's just like, no, no, 
I don't know. That she's just answering how a kid would answer. And it made me feel like, are they actually just asking her questions and they've cut the audio out of the person talking to her? Because it was really. It was really. She was flipping adorable. Can I just say? Like, oh my God, adorable. Yeah, she was. um, Well, I think Drew Barrymore went for the role as well, but they chose her because she was more angelic. That's right. However. That audition then led to Drew Barrymore being cast in E.T., so it kind of worked out for the best. Yeah. So you were saying earlier this is a cursed film. Explain. Yes. Okay. So there, there's a lot of little things. Um, there is a, actually a TV a, a series on Shudder called Cursed Films. Um, this is also one of the episodes. However, this is historically synonymous with cursed films anyway. Um, so, of course, uh the tragic death of Heather O'Rourke, um, the other young actress, um, Dominique Dunn, she was killed by her boyfriend that year, so she had died, and I believe there was another gentleman in the film who was murdered at another time. Um, of course, the, all of these horrible things that are happening, there's a point in the film where with the scene at the end with all the, the skeletons coming out, yep. they're all real skeletons. Now, what? it's really funny to... Were they? They are all real, but this is not old news for... This was this is done generally throughout Hollywood throughout over, over the decades and years and years and years. Um, they use real skeletons because it's cheaper. Wait, so the, all those were real corpses in the, in the pool? Yes, real, real skeletons, yeah. They were like... They were like in water, muddy water, with real with real corpses. Well, real skeletons, yeah. Anything that had like rotting flesh, I believe, was probably fake. I wouldn't think right, they they'd might get have a... jazzed up a skeleton with some. Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, yeah, so it's it's not uncommon. Um, Joe Beth Williams was not told about that until after the fact. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't think she would have taken it very well. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of history to this film. Um, very interesting, very distressing. Um, so if you, if you, obviously, uh, I do recommend checking out the cursed film series on Shudder. Um, it gives you a lot more information, goes, goes real deep. Yeah, it's good. Nass deep. Um, first thing I didn't like in the film though, is I thought the tree that was outside of his room, the kid looked so bad. Yeah, that tree just looked like it looked like a year twelve art student's <laughs> take on a tree. It was like <laughs> abysmal. It was so yeah. bad because apparently there's like the same tree is in the cemetery. You know, they go to the cemetery and they're having a conversation. Him and his boss. Yeah. That same tree yeah. is there as well. Apparently, to symbolise like you know, I don't know what the fuck it's supposed to symbolise that they were both buried over you know graveyards or something like that. So yeah, but that yeah, tree, man. Sense. Until it starts eating him, it's so fake. It's so, I mean, it's fake the whole way through. Like, they can make trees better than that. Like, from a movie, like, that has some of the best effects I've ever seen. Like, the um, that white ghost that, you know, that doesn't let her in the door? Yeah, the, like, the weird dog thing. Yeah, that thing's crazy. I already wound it and watched it because I had a really good copy. I had, like, the yeah. Blu-ray. And I was just yeah. like, that is crazy good. Like, I, that yeah. just... Perfect. Like, that's how you make a, a, a great-looking effect. And then it goes from that to that fucking tree, that, like, that, the <laughs> cylinder. They're just trying to save some money. It's fine. Just get a real tree. <laughs> like, 
It's just a dead tree. You could have moved a dead tree from anywhere. You know, the, the tree. Well, they did that for it, actually. The the tree that was used on uh, Nebolt Street was actually found in someone's front yard and they asked permission to use it. They basically dug up this person's tree, used it in the film, and then took it back. Here's a tree. Yeah. <laughs> it's dead. But <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah. I really like the pacing of this film, as in I really like the subtle start to it. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing really seems that sinister at the start. And you got the start, you know, the, you've got all these really good family scenes again. It starts, you know, like the fork bending and the kid, like, you know, mm-hmm. he, he picks up the glass and the glass, fall, the bottom falls out the glass. And then he looks yep. and his forks are twisting. You're like, that's cool. And then it's got, you know, the dog barking, you know, at spots in the house. And I'm like, I find that really cool. And then it's got one of my favorite scenes ever the chairs that recombobulate themselves up onto the table. Do you know the one? That's really good. Yeah. So, um, She's like telling off Carol Ann for moving the chairs, and then she turns around and they're like stacked up on the table. And it's all one shot, so yeah, so and they're stacked up in this really like reverse pyramidy kind of thing, or what maybe a pyramid, you know, something that couldn't be done in one second. So they obviously must have run. So it, it it's got her with the chairs, and then she moves to the sink, and the camera pans, follows her, and then pans back, and it's there. Like, it's an instant thing. And there is one bit, though, I rewound it a couple of times and looked at it. My wife pointed out, look down in the very, uh, if you look at, like, the top left-hand corner, there's a pot plant. And if, if when it moves over that you can't see the table, you see that pot plant get, like, just suddenly hammered, like someone's hit into it, where they've run in to grab all the chairs, like, <laughs> which does take it up. But it's still just it's such a satisfying effect. Um yeah. And then it moves from, you know, like points in the house have like like ins and outs and they can move certain parts. And it's really interesting. And it also the idea that like that they're like these parents, they're like, you know, they're they're working, they're doing their own thing, you know, they're in the suburb, but they still smoke weed. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that. So um Steven Spielberg specifically cast um uh, some smaller named actors because he really wanted to have that feeling of just your everyday American family. So, yeah, they are just working and living in suburban America and they're doing what every other suburban American family are doing. And But what are they doing behind closed doors? They're, you know, they were hippies. They're still smoking weed and, you know, hanging out and talking, shooting the shit. I love it. Yeah. And then it goes, um, and then it has a really, it, has, what, I, it was a really impressive shot I noticed in it where, like, it shows their kitchen and then it cuts to, because the guy, the main dad is a salesman of houses and he is living yeah. in one of the houses that he sells. And it cuts between their kitchen and then the house he's selling in exactly the same shot. And because the houses are all clones of each other, it's just a different room with different furniture in it and stuff. And I loved that shot. I was like, that's so yeah. clever. Like cutting between the two and- houses to show that they are just like, you know, cookie cutter houses. Yeah. That's, that's it. It's just, you know, one thing after another. And I like that um, because suburban horror films started to get, there was like a period of time where suburban horror was like big. So like Halloween technically, even though it's the slasher, it is part of that suburban, you know, everyone has this idea of how it should be living in, you know, small town America or just like this suburban towns. No one ever suspects that something evil or strange or paranormal will ever come that way. Yeah, and especially in a brand new, you know. Um, housing development. Housing yeah. development kind of thing, which is another great thing. So it's cruising along. It's doing like the subtleness. It's awesome. 
it's it, it's really interesting. There's never any scenes where you're bored, and then all of a sudden the film goes to a thousand percent. Like within one scene, the fucking the tree bursts into the house, starts eating a child. The closet yeah. opens and starts sucking the whole room out. Everyone falls in the fucking pool or whatever. There's a pool scene, and then like then Caroline's in the TV. It's all happening. Like, they can't even keep up. The kid has just gone through post-traumatic stress from, like, the boy from being eaten by a tree. They have, they can't even, like, tend to him. They have to run out and try and find Caroline. He's just left there in shock. You remember, like, with, yeah. like, goo all over him. He discovers her in the like, house. bloody and they muddy. Think, and- yeah, they think she's in the pool. They're out there. This is all happening in the same scene, like. And yeah. I was just like, shit. And yeah. then I was like, that scene happens, and I'm like, man, that was just like an intense bit of filming. So much happened. And then they bring in the experts, which is oh. always my favorite thing in a film. And it's just such a good like, – so they bring in some paranormal investigators from, like, the university that are kind of, like, yeah. doing their degrees but also kind of researching this on the side, I assume. Yeah. Um, well, the woman was saying that she had a degree in psychology, but she was doing parapsychology – um, and people sort of like, you know, turn their noses at her because it's it's not the thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, but she's like, I'm a very sane woman, and this is just something that is very interesting to me. So. Yeah, and the fact um, that, yeah that they bought in the experts straight away, I was really impressed because like I'm tired of films where no one gets help. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so they just go straight away. They get help. They find some paranormal experts. They bring him into the house. They set up the cameras and that. And it has that glorious scene where the dude is like, I once filmed a car move, uh, you know, <laughs> seven feet across a table. The duration of the video took eight hours. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, and he opens the door to the bedroom and just the whole bedroom spinning around. <laughs> like, And they're all just suddenly shitting themselves because they realize they've got something real on their hands. <laughs> Such a mic drop yeah. moment. Like, so good. <laughs> he's like, hold my beer. I'm just gonna open yeah. this, <laughs> open this like door, oh, this haunted room. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. check this out. Um, I like that there was a little uh, Incredible Hulk riding a horse as well in one of the scenes. Yeah, there was and like all the shit that was flying around the room. And like a, a compass, like uh, hits a record and it plays the record with the needle of the compass and just shit like that. Yeah. And I'm like, ideas, ideas. Yeah, that would, <laughs> it doesn't matter. None of it could happen. Mm. And then they've all set up, right? And they're all like. Um, you know, they're set up, they're all got their cameras, they're all sleeping together in the, in like the main bedroom. Cause you know, for safety and like, mm. there's like 20 minutes of this film where all the dialogue is whispered. Yeah. It was so, I know. it was so weird. Like Claire's so like, why are they whispering? Bad hearing. Oh yeah. yeah. I must have to put the, the subtitles on. Yeah. Claire was like, why are they whispering? And I'm like, so they don't wake up the other people. She's like, no one's sleeping. <laughs> Clearly, no one is sleeping. Um, and then it goes to like, you know, they start to get a little bit of hauntingness happening kind of thing. Like, you know, he, mm-hmm. he start one of the guys pulls his face off in a mirror, which looks Whoa. gross. <laughs> it looks so good, though. For 1982, that was incredible. And at, at this point in the film, I was sort of sitting there going, this film has no gore, no jump scares, and yet it's so, it's unsettling. Yeah. And I really like that about that film. Yeah. The, um, um, and then, of course, as I was saying this, I'm like, there's nothing, like, there's, there's no gore, there's no blood, there's no jump. And then he starts, like, ripping his face. And I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> and then they, like, you know, he gets bitten 
by some mystical force, which we can only assume is the giant dog ghost that's guarding. Yes. There's like a dog ghost guarding the door. I think that's the whole vibe yeah. of it. So, because yeah. like she's been, Caroline, the young girl, has been pulled into the closet, which is like, you know, into the fucking ghost world or whatever it is. And then mm. they, they realize that they're, uh, you know, the students realize that they need to get, bring in the big guns. And then, oh. so they bring in Zelda. With Tangina. Tangina. What? That's, yeah, the, the, the character's name is Tangina. It's played by Zelda Rubenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know her name was yeah. Tangina. That's not a word. Tangina. It's like ten, yeah. ten vaginas. Hey, it's a tan vagina. Or tan or tandem, <laughs> two vaginas. Uh, we don't know. So good. We'll have to ask her. Anyway, bring in the smallest lady known to man with the highest pitched voice. Um, I love her. I remember as a kid when I used to watch this film, she was always the moment when I could relax. She was always like, oh, my God, thank God the help is here. I feel so yeah. much more safer now. I used to get that in a lot of horror films when the expert yeah. came and you could relax oh, yeah. a little bit more because, like, shit could get handled all of a sudden. Oh, she and I like that the dad's like she's gone upstairs and she's clearly asked him at the top of the stairs to do something and then she disappears offset and he's just like standing there staring down. She's like, What are you doing? He's like, I'm answering her with my mind. And she's just like, You're a smart ass. Yeah. I'm talking to the living. Talk to me, respond to me. Yeah, yeah. She like basically just fucking drops her mic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um to prove that she is the shit. Um and it goes She is the shit. And then it goes through that like that amazing concept of like the closet is the in and therefore there's an and then like the out is like the roof of like the dining room where like you know shit can come out of the thing. So they throw the tennis balls through it and they work that out and they throw a rope in there and it has that mm-hmm. weird cosmic idea of you know like um you know the bending of space or whatever like you know it's going it's in this way. The episode of the Simpsons. Yeah, do they do that in the that would have been homage in the Simpsons, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's that episode where it's one of the Treehouse of Horror ones and the Patty and Selma are coming over and Homer has nowhere to hide, so he basically runs through this, like, wall and ends up in the 3D world. Oh, yeah. And they, they send Bart in with a, a rope attached to him. That's he's right. He's like, do, do you think you can jump it? And he's like, piece of cake. Falls <laughs> <laughs> into the void. <laughs> the, um, because it has the one, um, as well in The Simpsons, where the house decides to kill itself and live with The Simpsons, yeah. and it does the yeah. the house, it does the imploding house, which is life with The Simpsons. What other choice do I have? And it, just, it decided death over living with us. <laughs> it chose death. Um, all that happens, and it has this amazing. Like I actually thought it was the end because I'd forgotten the only re- amazing fake ending. It's such a good mm. fake ending as well. It goes for so long. It seems like an ending. The only reason I knew it wasn't an ending. It's because I was like, hang on, when does the clown bit happen? I know. It's exactly the same thing as I said. I'm like, wait, am I remembering this wrong? Do we have a wrong copy? Is this a weird cut? Because the clown scene never happened. Exactly what I said to my wife. I was like, has this been edited? Is this an edited director's cut without the clown bit? Because, (laughs) you know, because it almost killed that kid or some shit. It did, yeah. (laughs) Tell me about that. (laughs) Okay, so... Uh, the poor kid, like this this clown thing. And let's just stop for a second and discuss who the fuck would have a clown that big just hanging out in their room. Who the fuck would have that clown? Like it's like yeah. the most heinous fucking thing in the world, man. It's like a it's, big evil no. dick. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the scene where Robbie is being strangled. Um, the By the clown. Um, 
by the clown. Uh, they're becoming extremely tight, and he, the poor kid starts to choke. In real uh, life. In real life. He screams out, I can't breathe. Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper thought that he was ad-libbing and just instructed him to look towards the camera. Keep going. <laughs> so it wasn't until Spielberg noticed that the kid's face had turned purple that he'd run over and rem- remove the clown's arms from the kid's neck. Oh, my God. It's such a different time of film. Imagine that happened to fucking, you know, like, you know, to someone nowadays. <laughs> oh, you can't do that. We've got child labor laws now. That's true. <laughs> Boring. Um, now, did you notice that there is? Um, I didn't notice this, and I had to look it up. There's mm-hmm. so it's got it's got a beautiful. It's got one of those amazing scenes, you know, where they uh, the camera is stuck to the room, and they turn the room, the whole room mm-hmm. around, so it looks like she is like getting pulled up the wall. The old Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. trick. Did you notice yeah. that in, in that scene that in, when she's laying down and she's all relaxed, she lays down, and she's yeah. like. Ah, and there's like four pictures behind her, photos that there's like, and one yeah. of them is Caroline. That so when she gets pulled mm-hmm. around the room, if you look at it, like in one of the shots, Caroline's picture is replaced by a black and white picture of like an old lady's face with a giant mouth. Oh, see, I knew that that was a thing, but I completely missed it while I was watching because I was like looking out for it and I just completely missed it. I'm like, um, okay, I missed it. Okay. That's cool. Well, if, if you want to know, it's exactly one hour and 40 minutes into the film. Yeah. Because I went back and re-looked yeah. it all out quite a lot. It's not that it's good. Really I actually thought they could, if, if I, whether it was uh, like they could have done it better, it could have been a bit of a more clearer thing or something like that, but it's still in there. I love those things like that, weird like, things. I love an Easter egg. I like the little things that if, I don't necessarily like things being like, oh, like, yeah, like I get that reference. That's great. I like the little things that, you know, like in Creepshow last week, that the little ashtray that she used to bash her dad's head in was used throughout the whole film. Yeah. Just the little little things like that that aren't brought to your attention, but if you're paying attention, you're going to pick up on. Mm. And then we get the ending where just shit goes a 2,000% at the end of this film, eh? Yeah. And it's like fucking he, he, he works out that, the what is it? The um, yeah, bastard. Yeah, the the housing you the, the headstone. Yeah, the whole housing estate. Like they they got rid of a cemetery to build the housing estate, but they left the bodies there. They just moved the headstones, and it has this hilarious scene of him just yelling that into the yeah. dude's face in the rain, fucking with coffins flying out everywhere into people's faces, into fucking like cars, like, you know, co- Coffins exploding out of the ground. He is just yelling, "You didn't move the headstones. You didn't move you them." And uh, you do, didn't you? You he, bastard! Yeah, he starts crying. <laughs> that dude, because he realizes he's fucked up. And basically, he's all fucked up, me, eh, Rob? Yeah, they just get in the car, the family, and they're like, "Fuck this shit," and they just <laughs> bail. Yeah. And then, like, you know, and then, like, the whole neighborhood goes to hell. Fucking fire goes everywhere. The ground explodes. And then the house just, as we said before, just decides to implode on itself and disappear yeah. in front of. And I love it all happening in front of the whole neighborhood. With all this mm. shit's happening, they're yeah. all coming out of their houses and they just watch this house. And the guy who did the estate and he realizes that he is really fucked up, eh? And he's probably oh, not getting you that. You better believe everybody's moving out of that neighborhood. He ain't getting his promotion. He ain't getting no. his, his corner office. No, not even a little bit. He's fucked um. up. <laughs> Cut the credits. 
Oh, no, it just has them driving off, doesn't it? Like, and that's it. Well, they, they, they're at a hotel. They rock up to a hotel. Right. They walk in, close the door. He opens the door and just shoves the TV outside. Into the rain? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a bit rude. You could at least take it downstairs to the clerk. Um, I like that a little fun fact about this film was this film came about after they pitched um, a sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, wait, so what? Uh-huh. So it was going to be that? So this could have been a sequel. It has uh, It does all the same kind of feelings, you know what I mean? Like, it does. Yeah, it definitely does. But, yeah, no, it didn't happen, so this is what it turned out to be. So you reckon they would have kind of would have been like more of like this stuff was happening because aliens were coming back or they'd affected these people maybe they could have been working, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because uh, that's sure. kind of what the first close encounter is. Is this... It's really not about the aliens coming down. It's about, like, the fact that they are coming and it's affecting humans. Yeah. Just the, yeah. the presence of them arriving is making these people go to this point or some mm. shit. I can't remember. I'm actually going to rewatch that. I've got it there mm. ready to watch, but, yeah. Ready to go. And now, what did you give this? I gave this an A for awesome. Again, it's one of those films that I could have the A, B, C, D, J kind of It it is exactly what it is. It's an A. It's an awesome film that everybody Mm -hmm. should watch. And the more you watch it and the more you read about this film, there is so much to it and I love it because you could, like, you could sit down and just write a a history thesis on this whole film. Yeah. Well, we didn't, we've been talking about it for a while now and we didn't actually even get, I, 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 I skipped past a lot of my notes and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I skipped past a few of mine. I didn't, you know, we didn't talk too much about Tangina, but that's fine. Um, she we'll is just, an expert. She was an expert. She has all the, the house, that great line. Clean. Yeah, that house is clean line. But, like, how she kind of, like, prissies herself up a bit because she knows she's on film. Yeah. And she kind of does yes. her hair a little bit and does, like, you know, the side shoulder look. Yeah. And, and I love that, like just that adding that little bit in. Like she's been doing it for this long that she's just like, yeah. I've got, you know, I've got a, I've practiced this line. Because it says that she's like, you know, she had she had cleared heaps of houses, cleaned heaps of houses, yeah. and well, she did know a lot. You know what I mean? She did. But what I liked, so a, this film is the first film to deal with not just ghosts and hauntings, but EVP, so electric electronic voice phenomenon. This is the first film to ever deal with that. Um, but I also really like that she's come in, she, she's come in with her big dick energy and she's walking into this room. She's not terrified at all. Like she's calling the shots. She's like talking to everyone, like you need to be here. You need to be here. And then the mum is basically setting up to like walk through the, the, um, the closet with the rope. And she's just like, oh, like you sh- I should be doing this. And she's like, oh, well, this is my daughter. And she kind of looks at her and she's like, you're right. You're right. You go. You do it. She has like, sure. she has, um, there's so many good ideas in this film. There's a bit as well when they're trying to call Caroline, 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 whatever her name is. And like Caroline. the mum, she's not answering to the mum because they're trying to get, what is it? They're trying to get all the ghosts away from the closet because that's yeah. what's stopping them from getting in because there's too many of them there wanting to, like, you know, get out, get to close to Car- Carol Ann, Caroline, whatever yeah. bloody name is the kid. Her name's Carol Ann. Carol Ann. And um, they have the bit where, like, the mum's trying to talk to her and it doesn't, she doesn't answer and she goes to the dad. She goes, like, who decides the punishment in the family? And he's like, oh, we don't punish our kids. She goes, like, 
yell at your kid, like tell her off, make her answer you. And I thought that bit was so such a good idea. Just yeah. the idea of it. And he's like, I will spank you if you don't. And she answers. And I'm like, just that idea. Like who, who thinks yeah. it? Like that's such a good, and it was just a passing idea. Like it, it, there was nothing became of it. There's so many good little ideas in that. And it, I mean, now we are going to talk about um, Tangina. <laughs> yeah, um, she's great. Yeah, and um, I, I also like the fact that they really nailed down, they really nailed their point across that these aren't bad ghosts, most of them. And, mm. you know what I mean, they're just people that are confused or they don't know they're dead and they're not malicious. There was one malicious one in there. Yeah. But, like, the majority of them were just, like, you know, people just didn't know that they were dead. Or, and she has that really beautiful explanation of what death is. And I, yeah. and I really wished that was real. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like when I was watching, I'm like, why can't that just be the answer? Like, like the pl- like you know, going on to the next plane and like this is, you know, she just explained death and life and in a really simplified, relaxing, safe way. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I love her. She's great. She's, she's, she's definitely like my favorite little bit of the film. Is your your favourite um, safety person that comes in and saves yeah. the day, the expert? Yeah, she's my favourite expert. I love it. All right, we have to move on to horror news. Each week, me and Jen take you through the horror news that you need to know about. Welcome to horror news. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and okay. Was, and uh, coincidentally, as well, that our news music is the Gremlins theme. Ah, perfect. I was listening to that in the car the other day. It was just like me driving down the street with my coffee at 10 a.m. Like, <laughs> you went, you went full Gremlins this week. I, I, I really did. Yeah. Do you understand its, its majesty now? Do you remember, like know yeah. why I love yeah. it so much? I do. I do. It's and it's so a Christmas good. film. The first one. That's right. It's very Hello, much a Christmas, Christmas film as well. It's not just set at Christmas. There's like. Christmas carols in it. The Gremlins Christmas Carol, do you remember? Like there's heaps of Christmas stuff in it. Mm, yeah. Oh, Christmas special. I Anyhow, love it. Horror news. Christmas is coming. Anyway. So, Happy Death Day 3 working title and status revealed by director. <gasps> so, this is exciting. I loved Happy Death Day and I liked Happy Death Day to you. I haven't um, watched the second one. Look, it's not as good as the first. Every it didn't do as well box office wide either. Like, there's a lot of like mm, inconsistencies. But if you're someone <laughs> like me who who don't get no science, um, it really doesn't bother me. Me no know how time works. I don't know. I just like the film, the haha stab stab. Um, definitely give it a watch. Um, but so Happy Death Day three has been sidetracked by the pandemic. Um, but Christopher Landon made it abundantly clear that it's still on his docket. Um, so at this stage, the working title is Happy Death Day to Us. Um, That's got two in it. Don't you need a yeah. three pun in there? Well, us, there's more. That could be you, me, and the kitchen sink over could there. Could have been Happy Death Day to Thrust. <laughs> 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 to Thrush. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna do well in the marketing. Yeah, Jan from marketing's not gonna be liking that one. I would have called it Happy Death Days. Yeah, days and, and the S as a three. 
sure. Or maybe the that three, the, the S in us could be a three. Yeah. Who, Who knows? knows? Who knows? Um, but uh, the idea for the third film is not set in the same day. Um, so this is directly quoted from um, what's his name, John Landis, Chris, Christopher Landon. Sorry. Who is the director? He is the director. Um, so the first two films are basically set on the same day, whereas this one does not need to. Um, so he's like, we're not up against a really difficult clock right now. The other movies were hard because they were set on the exact same day. So everyone had to look the same, be the same. The, pr- the pressure is off there. So this leads us into this. We don't really know what's going to happen. We don't know any other information. Um, was the but... second film just the same story, like the same thing happened to her? It is, it is. But it's not. So it kind of explains how she ends up in the time loop. Is it silly? It is silly. It's because of the roommate and his science experiment. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, Um, science. Yeah. Oh, long science. Ruining the day again. Um, So, yeah, uh, the young girl who plays uh, Tree is, she'll be back as well. Um, She's fantastic in this series like i love her so much yeah um, yeah she's great like she was what made this film like or the first one like I just, I just think it worked so well because of her how good she acted her, her transformation of character everything about yeah. like it just worked it's the new scream and it, i mean not the new scream because they are making the new scream it's true no no um no they're not oh, are they? well they're, they're what the scream five is that this is them isn't it uh, it's I, no, no, no. That's the um, ready or not people. Ready or not, yeah. Sorry, sorry, um, sorry, sorry. Fine, I give you. Um, but yeah, Jessica Rose. Uh, so I think she, she's just one of those people. So you sometimes we watch a lot of these horror films now, and you can tell that the actress is just kind of in it for the paycheck. You know, we don't really get a lot of actresses coming through that you can tell that she's absolutely loving this role. Whereas she does. You, she is so intensely dedicated to this series that it just, she is what makes it. She gives it the heart and the soul. Yeah. Without it, yeah. Without her, this just wouldn't work. Yeah. Well, like might, if they, yeah. Well, I wouldn't watch it though. I mean, I would, but I'd be like, mm, I'll get to it eventually. Because um, she's, she was the draw card in the end. That's what got me to watch it. I'm like, oh. Well, as in the first like, one. Yeah. I don't know why it took me so long to watch it, but yeah, it was good. So, so yeah. That's it. Back to it. Happy death yeah, day to true. us. Yeah. Happy Congratulations. Birth, happy death day to us. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, let, All right. Let's move on. What's our next cool. story? So, the writers of 2005's House of Wax recall floating the idea of a prequel to, um, to Movie Studio. But it that dream was melted real quick. Oh, pun. <laughs> Thank you. I like to pun. Um, so it made about $68 million worldwide at the box office, which uh, Warner Brothers thought was a bit shit. So it just really wasn't revisited. Um, so they basically what they wanted. So have you seen House of Wax? Is that the Paris Hilton one? That is the Paris Hilton one. Yeah, back in the day. I can't remember one bit of it, though. Um, 
not one bit it's all of right. it. That... I'm sure we will watch it eventually. Um, look, it's not a bad film, and a lot of people are now sort of revisiting it and going, okay, this film isn't that bad. Like, why is it getting all this hate? And, you know, was I think it, we're now hitting a nostalgia. She doesn't even have that big a role in it. True. But, like, people just but like to hate her, didn't they? It's true. I love Paris Hilton. She's she's smart and wily. Wily? Yeah. Like she's a coyote? Wily. Like a coyote. And it's all coming out now in her in her uh, documentary. Like, everything she's been doing for the last, what, 20 years has all been an act. Like, Amazing. the voice, the, everything about it. Like, this is, I read an article about her years ago, and it, it was all in that article. I'm like, oh. Well, I, I always thought she probably was smarter than she seemed because of all her, like, business stuff that seemed to work really well. And it was, mm. it was clearly, like, you know, the, the, the sex tape came out and all that shit. That was all, like, completely planned. Well, yeah. Well, I, I assume it was. Well, I don't know. Yeah, but no. she worked with it. She went with it. Okay. She owned yes. it. She did. Why not? Um, but yes, so House of Wax. Uh, basically, the idea was they were looking to, because the whole town is made of wax. So everyone in the town are wax. Um, they're basically people covered in wax. So they kind of wanted to revisit it and look at how this town used to be and how they got to the point where it was like this abandoned town where this one guy turned everyone into wax figures. Yeah, how could you um, possibly do that to that many people without like getting caught? Exactly. I would watch that film. Um, so are they just real people? Yeah, yeah. So all of the the people that are so in the cinema, there's all the, all the church, there's these people just sitting there. They're all real people. Skin, does he skin them and then put wax on the outside? He doesn't skin them. It it all goes on. It all goes on live. They're alive. Are they alive they under have, there? I can't they remember. are. Well, they were. Not so much now. So oh, that thing wouldn't with, work, hey. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think it would. But hey, I'm not going to argue with it. Because there's that scene where um, Jared Padalecki's sitting there and he's like a wax figure and there's like this little bit of wax like hanging off of him and he's like, his buddy's like, oh, it's all right, I'll get it. And he ends up like peeling off half of his face, um, which was really cool. Um, so I like, I think it could have worked potentially. It might work nowadays. Who knows? Probably a bit too predictable. I don't know, it'd be hard, it's a good idea to work out how they all, you know, how you take out a whole town and make them into a wax people without, like, getting busted. Mm-hmm. Well, because the film sort of, it, it showcases, like, the the murderer at as a child, um, and his mum runs the wax museum, and then it's obviously them Ooh. grown up. Um, so, but throughout the film, you can sort of see the timeline. So there's all these people from, like, let's say it's, like, the 80s, and then there's all people, so they've clearly come through looking for the the attraction, stumbled upon this town, and, you know, they've, they've died. So this this could spawn, like, heaps of sequels. Yeah, right. Well, well I'll definitely watch it yeah, one day. You'll make me watch happen. it, probably. Probably. Uh, Just you wait. I haven't made you watch a lot of, like, spooky house stuff yet. Spooky. Yeah. Uh, I, did, spooky I did Amateurville back in the day. I can't remember any of them, but I remember I did them. Yeah. There's a film that I was just made aware of recently called Amateurville Clown House. <laughs> and, and I'm going to make it my, I'm not going to say it's my life mission. It's going to be my week mission to find it and watch it. 
because I believe it's going to be a big piece of shit. Amateurville Clown House. Yeah. Oh my god, it sounds like a sounds like a bloody a nightmare. Um, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Our final story from bloodydisgusting.com. Yes. Uh, Megan Fox horror film Till Death wraps production amid pandemic. Oh, well, they just don't um, care. They just filmed it anyway. Um, the, so the film is, it was shot in Bulgaria. Do they have coronavirus there? Do they have, pe- I... do they have people there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I assume so. Um, so... The principal photography took place over the summer, so this was all before, um, like, lockdown hit. So they've been in Bulgaria since then. Uh, So shooting wrapped on the 7th, and there were no reported COVID cases, unlike Batman, who first week of filming they had to shut down because Robert Pattinson got COVID. Batman? You'd think you'd have an antidote. Well, yes. COVID repellent bat spray. Come on. There was a Batman story called Batman Europa where him and Joker both get a deadly virus or mm. that's given to them by someone and they have to team up and go to Europe and find out and get the antidote. Oh. It was like, well done. And it was four issues and every issue was done by a different artist. So like, oh, real, good, cool. real good artist. Um, mm. It was written by like Brian Azzarello or something like that. I can't remember. Anyway, um, nothing to do with this. So what no. is this film about? Okay, Megan Fox? So to- Yes, Megan Fox, she's getting back in the acting bandwagon. Um, kudos to her. So Till Death tells the story of Emma, played by Megan Fox, who is left handcuffed to her dead husband as part of a sickening revenge plot, and she must survive two hired killers on their way to finish the job. Okay, that doesn't sound like a horror film. That sounds like a, a thriller. It does. Uh, I'm guessing that the husband is, like, decomposing real quick and his body's just falling. I don't know. Oh, so she's... She's handcuffed to him for the whole film. I assume so. I haven't seen anything about this film, so I haven't seen trailers. I haven't seen anything aside from this was probably the first thing that I saw. Well, there's another there's another article about it. Horror gets handcuffed to Megan Fox until death. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lot there's a different photo. It's actually the same article, just a different photo at the top. <laughs> And she's like, uh, she's like floating above a pool, like hmm. it's a ghost. Why? Bit weird. Sure. Why not? I don't know. He might be talking to her from the grave. Well, she no, she's floating. Oh. Or something. So there must be some sort of you know. Um, there must be some sort of a mysticalness to it to make it, to throw it in the horror category. I think mm-hmm. the horror part of it is just her. Her thumbs. <laughs> she has weird toe thumbs. She really does. It should have been the called Toe Death <laughs> instead of Till Death. And it's just all about oh. people going out with her until they see that she's got toes for thumbs. Uh, and then I mean, they she, ha- she's a very beautiful actress. And, I mean, Hollywood really screwed her over real bad. Michael Bay just. No, that's just Michael Bay screwed her over real He's bad. He's a piece of shit, that guy. But what she really needed to do from then was, like, after Tranny's formers, <laughs> she really needed to, uh, she really needed to, de- to deep dive into some serious films. So I just don't think she did, did she? She kind of just... No, I think she did, like, the Ninja Turtle film after that. I, yeah. <laughs> Which is the polar opposite to a deep dive into a serious film. <laughs> like, you know, she has to do, like, like what is it, um, Scarlett Johansson, does Avengers... 
than does like under the skin. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you need, she needed to do mm-hmm. the art film. You know, yeah. first you do. I mean, she was in Jennifer's Body and that was really good. That copped yeah. a lot of hate, but that was a great film. Yeah, that was pretty good actually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no problem with her as an actress. I think she's yeah, no. she's a beautiful lady, and she like you know she takes the roles that she gets. Yep. And that it's just she's got toes for some. <laughs> I can't get over it. Look it up, everyone. Look it I up. Know. Look at you can just write me, Megan Fox probably in Google search, and probably thumb toes will come up as one of the things. Megan, let's see. Fox. Okay, I was wrong. <laughs> Oh no, that's how you spell her name. Megan Fox T. No S. Thumbs. Um, nah, I'm wrong. No. Nah. Look it up yourselves. Okay. Well Cle- then. Clearly, clearly, it's not as big a news as I thought it was. Um. All right. Yeah. Are we looking at that? No. Also, as well, I just want to quickly mention that as part of that PlayStation thing, you know, they did. Uh, mm-hmm. The big reveal thing recently. They revealed like um. Uh, Resident Evil Village. Ah, uh, yes. Um, which is I haven't Resi- watched the trailer yet. Which is, what is that, VI, what is that, 7, 8? Yes. Yeah. There's Resident Evil 8. Um, and so what they're doing is, is what I said they should do, which is great because mm-hmm. I was right, is that they yes. remade, you know, Resident Evil 1 and 2. Yeah. 3? No, they remade 2 and 3. But instead of going to 4... And remaking four, they've remade four as seven. So right. village is because like in Resident Evil Four, this is what my theory is. In Resident Evil Four, you were in the villages of this uh, foreign country, and they were more like kind of possessed people than zombies and stuff like that. And it's exactly kind of like what looks like the vibe they're going for here. Because there's no point in remaking all, you know, re- remaking all the Resident Evil films. I mean, um. Yeah, video games. You're just going to catch up, and it's just going to be moot. You know what I mean? It won't make sense. And you, you, no one wants to play five or six again. They were terrible games, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is like instead of so they've just kind of jumped from. So if you think about it, it now goes Resident Evil Two remake, Resident Evil Three remake, remake, then Resident Evil Seven, and then Resident Evil Village as like they're four that you play. That's the chronological order that you play them, which is kind of cool. Okay. Um, ah. the, the shit from this new one, Village, looks crazy. Like it, they've gone to the first person thing again. They've got this overarching story of this late this, this family and this nursery rhyme, and then like yeah, the the pictures of the, the shots of the village people, full on. Like this is gonna okay. be great. This is gonna be like yeah. this is my Silent Hills, I reckon. Ah. So your pick for twenty twenty one? When's it out? Is it out this year or next year? Um. Don't know, but they will. They are having a half an hour presentation um, next week at okay. T- TGS twenty twenty. I don't know what TGS stands for. The the, the Gacy Jordan show. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so sure. there is uh, what is it? The Tokyo Game Show that stands for, by the way. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Tokyo yep. Game Show twenty twenty next week. They're going to have a half an hour presentation about it, so they'll probably show heaps. Half an hour is heaps long. Yeah. They're also that, showing yeah, a 50-minute um, Hyrule Warriors, like, two, whatever it is, like, presentation. 50 is minutes? They really, they really got to push Hyrule because Hyrule didn't do very well on release. No. Or it's just, yeah, like, Dynasty Warriors clone. Yeah, it, di- it did not do well. So I feel that they're like, oh, let's do this, but we're going to have to put a lot of time and energy into it, guys. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't have high hopes. Yeah. That anyway. is the new the horror news for this week. Take us out, Wait. Jen. Well, let's talk about what oh, we're yeah, yeah, watch what, next week. Yeah, what are we watching next week? Yep. Well, I, I've left it as a surprise, oh, as what? always. Yeah, you're going to write it I in lo- there? I love a surprise. So we are going to watch Reanimator. Nice. Yes. Uh, and we are going to watch Street Trash. Oh, Street Trash, <laughs> really? That's yeah. good. I started watching we, we, Reanimator a couple of weeks ago. I got about... 20 minutes in and, and I just didn't have time to finish it. So that's good. Cause I was going to actually use that as one of my, you know, my ones for the show. So that works out yeah. well. Cause I already have watched a little bit of it, but I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it now. Oh God. Yeah, like I say, I've tried watching it like three or four times in the last six months. And I get to the same point at every, every time I get there, something happens. I have to turn it off and come back to it. And I never come back to it. So is it, I have- is it the dismembered head cunnilingus scene? <laughs> It is not that scene. Oh, well, let's talk um, about that next week. I just I just have that on constant repeat. It's like a gif that's running through my... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not that great. It's in your wank bank. <laughs> <laughs> Street Trash is great. Um, one of my favourite yep. favoritest covers, the one with the big blue face on the front. Yes. It's a body melt one, isn't it? I love a body melt. Yeah, and Reanimator is just fucking something. Super goopy. Yeah, it's... it's Excellent. It's great. Now, anyway, take us out. Yes. Right, so you've been listening to Terrorvision Horror Podcast with Dan and Jennifer. Our podcast is available on all streaming services, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, basically where any good podcasts are found. Uh, We are also available on YouTube. So please, leave us a star rating, leave a comment, follow us, sub, all of the above. Um, We have an Instagram, at TerrorvisionPod. Lots of cool stuff goes up there. We have an email. At terrorvision, sorry, at gmail.com. If you have anything you'd like to discuss with us, any comments, hate mail, fan mail, anything you want to say, um, you can contact us there. Otherwise, you can also contact us on our Facebook page and our Instagram, which is where most people do it. Not the old. It's it's true. Everyone's. I love the interaction we have on on ye old Facebook. Ye old Facebook. And, Good time. Mm, and uh, you can also check out me uh, over on Hack the Dino uh, Gaming Network uh, or whatever it's called. Just look at Hack the Dino Gaming. Uh, where you can catch uh, me live over on Twitch every second Friday at 7 p.m. for casual hangs, chats about games, nerdism, and stupidity. I'll do that with it. Ben Rosenthal, Floppy Staric, and Braden Dixon. Um, so it's basically like a nerdy variety video game show. Very laid back. Very off the cuff, very unplanned. Uh, we have a chat. We talk to the chat. And, yeah, it's actually happening this Friday. So um, ch- tune in this Friday at 7 p.m. on Twitch. Look up Hack the Dino and join the chat and say, poke a stick at me or whatever. Yep. So do that. Um, we've actually changed our look just recently. So, yeah, check out the new show. And until next week, everyone, may all your beautiful dreams be nightmares.